I'm so glad you are here with us this week for my conversation with Dr. Zainal Khan. His career as a physician started out in sports and emergency medicine, and his experience with those patients, in addition to situations arising from his own personal and experiences that he was seeing friends having, have brought him to be passionate about addressing the epidemics that we are facing in obesity and diabetes. He's got some great solutions that he's ready to share with us in this conversation and the programs that he's developing to guide people in the path to taking back control of their well-being and resetting the clock so they can return to health. I know you're going to get a lot of this conversation. Thanks again for joining us today. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Would you like to make more of your meditation practice? What if there was a tool that maximized your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity and strengthen your resilience to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you. Visit happifiedlife.com and click on the start off happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that shares positive images, affirmations, and motivation in a method that literally wires your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to happifiedlife.com and click on the start off happy button. See a sample video and sign up for your free trial. You can take 10 days to find out how the power of personalizing your own motivational videos by adding images from your photo library will bring you even greater benefits. I know you're going to love this tool. It's become one of my favorite go-tos and an important part of my daily routine. Head over to happifiedlife.com to start off happy with Positive Prime. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week to welcome Dr. Zainal Khan to the show. Dr. Khan is a sports and exercise medicine physician who has focused his career on the treatment and prevention of non-communicable diseases and lifestyle diseases such as diabetes and obesity. Using the methods learned in exercise medicine and his extensive training and experience working with sports teams and athletes, such as the Trinidad Trinidad and Tobago National Hockey Team and Guyana Olympic Association, Dr. Khan has developed courses that help those struggling with diabetes and obesity to achieve their healthiest weight and want to challenge themselves to live a healthier lifestyle. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Khan. I'm so happy to have you with me today. 
Thank you for having me and thank you for bringing me on your show. It's such a pleasure to be here, Susie. Well, I'm fascinated by your uh, work history and experience to be able to work with athletes of this caliber and in so many different places. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to where you are and your focus as you have it today. All right. So um, for me, a little background, I've been working in sports and exercise medicine for the last 10 years. Um, I initially started off working with swimmers and then slowly graduated to working with boxing um, and eventually got to travel with, on, on multiple teams to things like the Commonwealth Games, uh, the, the uh, Pan American Pan, Pan Games, um, and multiple times I got to go to big countries like India and Scotland with, with traveling with the Trinidad and Tobago national teams. Unfortunately, I never got to go to the Olympics, which, well, hopefully will happen soon enough. Um, but during that time, I also, and my uh, second uh, thing I was working as is an emergency physician in the emergency department in Trinidad and Tobago. And that's where I learned a lot of my emergency training that I was able to apply to sports medicine. But while working in the emergency department, I encountered some pretty disturbing things, I would say. So I'll tell you a story. One night I go to work, usual night, um, night schedule, you get in at 10 p.m. in the night, you're working until 8 a.m. in the morning. I walk into the, my department and now I'm a mid-level uh, management, so we call us re re registrars. So I'm one of the senior doctors on the floor and I take over from my other senior doctor. And as I'm taking over from him, I look over his shoulder and there's this young guy lying in the ICU bay of the emergency department. Now, as it says, ICU, intensive care unit. So that means that you're very sick to end up in that bay. But this young man is like 25 years old. And I'm looking at him going, what is a 25 year old doing, doing in my ICU unit? So the first thing I go to in my mind is the usual things that happens to 25 year olds. Was he in a car accident? Did he have some kind of violent act happening like he was in a fight? Or did he ingest something or try to commit suicide? The most common causes of death in, in um, young people under the age of 25. So I look over and I look at my colleague, I go, what's up with this guy? With this guy? And he said, the most shocking thing I've heard, I heard that evening, he had a heart attack. He was 25, 25 years old. But one of the other things that stood out about this young man to me, it was he was morbidly obese. He weighed 350 pounds at the age of 25. And that's why he had the heart attack. That stood up, that stood up with me all evening. I, every time I was on the floor during that night, every time I was doing something, my eyes always went to that young man. And I always wondered, what could I have done to stop this from happening to him, to stop that heart attack? Now, being a doctor, I know that he has just cut his life short by 20 years, having a heart attack at such a young age. He's 25 years old. He should be out with the girls. He should be hanging out with the boys. He should be getting into trouble. He should be, I don't know, figuring out his career, not lying in a hospital bed with a heart attack and needing triple vessel bypass disease. That got me thinking about managing diabetes, managing obesity. Well, first obesity. And that's where I started looking at what I'm doing in sports medicine and going, how can I apply this to these people. And that's the birth of my course, Defeat Diabetes. And from there, the next step I went to was one of my best friends, <coughs> sorry, um, comes up to me and he goes, 
Zainal, I have a problem. He's like, and they call me Zul for short. Right? So he goes, Zul, I have a problem. He's like, I'm 35, I'm diabetic, my blood pressure is through the roof, and I'm overweight, I'm stressed out because I have a business and it's killing me, I'm not sleeping, and my blood sugar is totally out of control. And if you ever not know what an HbA1c is, it is a test that tests your diabetic control over a period of three months. So it tells you how I've been doing over the last, over the last few months, which is three months and longer. Right. And my friends, HbA1c, normal, normal HbA1c is 6.5 or under. My friend was 11. Right. Ridiculously high. And he comes to me, he goes, I need help. Now, he remembers we've had conversations in the past where I told him anytime you want to help, you know, to adjust your diet a bit, to get exercising and so on. He's like, this is what I do. So come and we'll talk and we'll see if we can create something for you. And he comes to me, he's like, my mom died when she was young and I'm afraid I'm going down that road and I'm not going to be able to see my kids grow. So I went, okay, of course, you're my, one of my best friends. I'm going to help you. So we started on a journey and this was some four years ago. Over a period of three months, we were able to convert his HbA1c to less than 6.2. Wow. Um, it was fascinating because I'm driving in my car on my way home. And he calls me up and I'm on a speakerphone and he tells me, hey, he's like, I just got back my test results. My HbA is 1C is 6.2. I was so happy. I had to stop the car, park it to the side of the road so I could celebrate. Right. And I'm like, I'm celebrating my car. He's like, what are you so happy about? I was like, we just caused you to take control of your life. Don't you see the amazing thing you've done? And that was when I saw that I can use sports medicine to really make a difference in people's lives and really give them a way to take control. And what we use to take control, we change his diet and his eating habits, we change his, his exercise habits, we looked at his stress management and we manage his sleep. Suddenly he's sleeping better, he is less stressed out with his workplace and running his business, and he's taking control of his diabetes. And what people don't know about stress is stress causes a rise in cortisol. Cortisol sends every other hormone in your body out of whack. And that is what that, and, you, and many people don't know that people have actually had heart attacks with just stress alone, right? They, it is recognized as one of the number one causes of heart attacks. And we have had CEOs and people who have been healthy their whole lives. And because they're so stressed out, they get to give themselves a heart attack. So all of those things do contribute. And I believe diabetes as a whole is a lifestyle disease. And my thing is, if it's a lifestyle disease, then why are you not managing your lifestyle? Why are you not changing the things that led to that lifestyle being that way? And the same thing applies to obesity. Obesity is not a disease of you just suddenly one day decide to become obese. Now, there are medical conditions that can cause obesity, right? But they are far and in between. They're not that common. So the majority of people out there, it's something you're doing in your life that causes you to be obese. And that's where the realm of my um, of what I do comes in. And that's where my passion was born, right? And I realized I love helping people. Why not give people the thing I know what to do, which is sports and exercise medicine. And I've dived into exercise medicine and I've seen uh, what it can do. And I love what it can do for people. So that's my passion. To, to try to help 10,000 diabetics 
change their lifestyles, take control of their blood sugar. And instead of having diabetes rule their life, they rule their diabetes, right? And that's where I am in my, in my realm of management nowadays. I love it. And at just 35 years of age, he could have been overwhelmed. He could have given up on his odds. He could have been discouraged by what his doctors were telling him and thought it was beyond his control. And you absolutely gave him back that feeling of empowerment that I think is so important because I feel like in the way that Western medicine has kind of trained people to just do what the doctor tells you and not to ask questions, it's so easy for us to get pigeonholed and here's the medications, here's what you can expect, you know, make your plans, right? And it's really heartbreaking. And to your point too, in terms of causes of obesity, um, there are so many factors. And so I appreciate your pointing out there can be health conditions that might cause this to happen. Stress can be an impact as well. Stress changes the way that well, that we crave food, but that we store fat and carry it on our bodies. And then the way that we carry fat on our bodies affects our stress levels. It's one of those cycles that can be very difficult to break. And also um, some toxins, some chemicals in our environment can also have an impact. So to your point, there are things that are within our control. And when we keep looking, when we get curious and say, what can we do? How can we bring back our power? We're really taking back the wheel and giving ourselves the opportunity to write a new story moving forward. And that's why I love what you're doing. You're giving these people a new, a new, a whole new option, a whole new story that some other medical care practitioners might say, nope, you've got to reframe your expectations. And you're really opening their expectations and giving them a whole new potential that they may have never considered before. Yes. And, and that's true. But here, here's another aspect of it that we never consider. It's confusing. Very. I mean, it is massively confusing. So um, I'm in my course, I teach people. And one of the things I showed them was the potato versus the sweet potato. And we, heard, we always hear these great, these, these amazing, confusing messages about, uh, about nutrition. Um, the, one, one of the, most com the one of the most common one we know is, is the egg. And how the egg has been vilified and suddenly he's a hero and then he's vilified again and suddenly he's a hero and you know you can eat this part but not that part but this part is okay now because we discovered it's okay but and that's one of those but look at the sweet potato and the potato i saw a graphic on facebook the other day where on one of my groups who where they talk about weight loss and so on they put up a potato next to a sweet potato and on this graphic they don't give they give you all the nutritional values of both but on the sweet potato side, it says seven grams of sugar. And the potato side, it says one gram of sugar. Now, any person who is not into big nutrition and who's not a nutritionist or has been studying nutrition for a while will automatically get confused by that and say, well, the potato is good for me. Why am I, why am I worried about, why are they telling me eat sweet potatoes? When does potato look so much better than the sweet potato? But what that graphic is not saying is what are the type of sugars that exist in those two things? One has very simple sugars and one has very complex sugars. The sweet potato is full of fiber, things you can't break down, something called cellulose, right? You can't, your body is, does not possess the ability to break it down, right? It's what, it's what help you to go to the bathroom easier. You hear it on, on commercials for, for the elderly, drink more fiber, right? And that's what a sweet potato has. So seven grams of sugar is seven grams of, carbohydrates, not sugar, 
But carbohydrates that are really complex carbohydrates that you can't break down. The sweet potato is all simple sugars. It, yes, it has fiber, but it has more simple sugars than the, than the potatoes. You use and you, your body is, is more accessible to the sweet potatoes, to potato than the sweet potato. So yes, the sweet potato is way better for you, but that you can see how confusing that is. And interestingly, right under the picture, somebody commented and said, thank goodness for this because I'm gonna go buy my bag of potatoes, right? And I'm like, oh no, 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 not the potatoes, right? <laughs> right, and exactly. The and, and the beta carotene, the other phytonutrients that are available in sweet potatoes that are not present in regular potatoes. And, yeah. and, and it is, we try to simplify this standard of comparison. All sugar is bad, not getting into what are complex carbohydrates versus simple, right? All, and yeah, exactly. The whole carbohydrate conversation that's going on right now. Um, and I've seen people embrace a ketogenic diet, not understanding that it's a therapeutic way of eating. It's not a maintenance plan and finding themselves in situations with their health. And so it, it can be difficult. You know, it's to your point, I appreciate your understanding and I'm sure your clients do too. And your patients empathizing how confusing it can be because there's always the latest information, the latest new expert on the field. And then the misinformation, because anything that anybody posts on social media can be passed around, you know, mm -hmm. in some avenues that's being more closely watched and in many aspects, it is not, it's really kind of open season. And what most people don't recognize is the food industry is not regulated. Unlike the drug industries, this is massively regulated. The food industry and the supplement industry are not regulated. Everybody thinks it is. They have a minimum amount of what they have to put in something, and that's all. So they don't have to do anything but put that minimum or that put whatever else they want into it. So, um, so that that raises a lot of a lot of confusion. And I can see where the average person is now. What do I eat? What, do I, what is good for me? What is not good for me? So I, I believe in, I always believe in giving value to people. And in my, in my studies and my research, and I looked at so many different diets. Oh my goodness. I've seen the Mediterranean, the DASH, uh, the POP. I mean, call a diet. I've probably read about it somewhere, right? And all of them have one underlying or one set of underlying principles, right? But one of the number one things we know today it is not that cholesterol is a major cause of heart disease, but carbohydrates and the inflammatory response caused by carbohydrates that causes heart attacks. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies for diabetes and obesity. It's the carbohydrates you're taking in and the type of carbohydrates that are causing you to be that way. So the one person might come around and say, but doesn't, doesn't plants have carbohydrates? Doesn't like lettuce have carbohydrates? Yes, it does but it's in the form of cellulose. You can't break down cellulose. Cows can break down cellulose, but cows have four stomachs. They have the ability to do that. They have teeth, and, you, and you've heard of chewing the cod, right? That's because cows can chew, and they chew all night to break down, to keep breaking down that cellulose. If we were to do that with our teeth, we would have no teeth, <laughs> right? So, and the same thing with sheep. And goats and all these herbivores, they have the ability to do that. Some animals have stones in their stomach and the stones is to grind the, um, the cellulose uh, to break it down so they can get value from it. We don't have that ability. So yes, 
Leafy vegetables has carbohydrates in the form of cellulose. So, but the type of uh, carbohydrates you eat coming from the different whole foods is what makes the difference. So mm -hmm. my one thing is decrease your carbohydrates. And there's an easy way to do that. Pick one meal every day, just one meal. You have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's say you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some people don't. But even if you don't, pick that one meal, even if you're eating one meal a day, and decrease the carbohydrate by 50%, by half. But I tell you what, that, when you think about it, you say, but I could be eating less and I'll be hungry. No. Take that half of the carbohydrates out and replace it with fruits and vegetables. So you're not eating less. You're eating the same amount, but now you've, you've had whole foods that are healthier for you, provide you with more nutrients, right? And you're not hungry. And I tell people, like I tell my students, my clients, if you feel hungry after taking out the carbohydrates uh, from not adding enough fruits and vegetables, add more fruits and vegetables. Don't eat the carbohydrates. Leave that aside, throw it away, give it to the dog. They will enjoy it. Eat, and then you take more of those gorgeous fruits and vegetables and put it on your plate, right? And eat more of it, right? And if you want, if you want to be, feel full faster or you want to feel full longer, add olive oil to it or vinaigrette dressing to it. Or, um, and I always say, don't go low fat because if you go low fat, what are they replacing the fat with? Now, if sure. fat isn't the problem, right? If fat isn't the problem and it isn't the cause of heart disease, why are we going low fat? No sugar, yes. But if you're replacing the fat, what are you replacing with? And usually it's not necessarily sugar, but it's something that makes it taste better that's mm -hmm. bad for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that fat taste that they need, they lose it. So they have to replace it. So don't go low fat, right? Use oils, use the healthy oils, you know, olive oil, peanut oil. If you have peanut allergies, please do not use peanut oil, <laughs> right? I, and I need to state that outright, but um, coconut oil. I mean, there's so many wonderful nut oils out there and add it to your fruits and vegetables. And it's a medium, the fruits and vegetables become a medium to add to the oils to your diet. Yes. And then yes. you get brain health. Suddenly you're taking in the omega fatty acids and you're more alert. Your brain is now firing faster, right? And that's what those omega fatty acids is. Isn't just energy for the brain, but it helps the brain to work better. And suddenly you're more alert. The fog disappears, right? And that's how you get the omega fatty acids into your diet. So there's two things I just gave you 50% less carbs and put more oils. And voila, suddenly you're eating healthier. Simple as that. Yes. And it's easy to see how people can get confused and overwhelmed because. We, we tend to oversimplify things, right? So carbs are bad, therefore vegetables with carbohydrates can't be good. However, to your point, that fiber and that cellulose is so important. It slows our digestion. It helps us absorb more, more of the nutrition and feel more satiated. We don't feel as hungry when we've got the fiber to fill our digestive system. So important. And the, the balance of fats, you know, Exactly. For years, fats were vilified. I know that's something that there are people in my family who are very still mindful about and feel guilty about eating the egg because isn't that that, you know, 
but there's so much nutrition and the balance. (laughs) Exactly. And I use that analogy too, when talking about stress, there's good stress and bad stress, just like there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol in all things. We can find a balance when we start to get really oversimplifying things. That's when we're, we're really missing out on the important details. But the thing is, the thing is, Susie, what we say is bad cholesterol and good cholesterol, it's not necessarily bad and good cholesterol, it's just the amounts they have. So for instance, they say HDL is a bad, is a good cholesterol. Having a high level of HDL can, um, can you know, really boost your immunity. But if you have too much of it, it actually causes you to be susceptible to viruses, huh. right? So infection. So you have too much HDL, it has its bad sides too. So everything has a bad side. Like for instance, the next thing I always talk about is drinking water or hydrating. So if you're eating healthier foods, you need to hydrate more. Why? Because they require more water for the digestion, whereas carbohydrates don't. So you don't have to hydrate as much. So you'll notice you get more thirsty when you eat healthier foods, healthier whole foods, right? So you need to drink more water, right? But if you drink too much water, you can go the other side of something called diabetes insipidus, which is, a, is not a form of diabetes. It's, just, it's a misnomer in the name. But what it's talking about is your, is your kidneys shutting down because it's getting too much water and it's filtering out too much of the sodium, right? And that causes a major problem, right? Where you get hyponatremia, which means your sodium levels are too low. And that is a problem. So if you drink too much water, it has a bad effect. So water has its mm-hmm. own side effects. So everything has a side effect. So moderation is a key. There's a word of today is moderation. I live in moderation and you'll be great. Right. <laughs> and I always tell my, I tell my clients all the time, my students, the life is about living and loving and enjoying life. Mm-hmm. So if you like eating cake, like I was at a, on a, on a session a, a few weeks ago where we were talking about one of the, one of the persons said that he loves to eat Burger King hamburgers. And I was telling them, you know what? Why are you ki- why are you suffering yourself from not eating any Burger King on hamburgers? Now I don't, I'm not promoting Burger King in any way, but I'm saying hamburgers. So let's say hamburgers. But if you like hamburgers, there's no reason you can't have a hamburger once a month or once uh, every two weeks, right? Because that one hamburger will not cause any major harm. Now, if you're eating that hamburger every day, that's different from you eating it once every two weeks. So if you like cake or you like that bowl of ice cream, right? Why are you, why are you suffering yourself and keeping away from it? You can have a bowl of ice cream, but don't have it every day. You know, reward yourself. I, I hate the term cheat day because yes. I say, who are you cheating on? <laughs> right. The guilt that comes along with that is the hardest yeah. thing to deal with. Oh, You're I've cheating on you. all over. Why did I fail again? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Cheat day yeah. needs to be retired. Yeah, you're cheating on you. You're not cheating on anybody else. Who are you cheating on? You're not cheating on your mom and dad, right? They're, they're eating healthy. You're not cheating on the dog. He doesn't care. <laughs> he just loves you because he's you, right? You're cheating on you. So instead of calling it a cheat day, call it a reward. And not a reward day, a reward. So have your ice cream on that day and f- enjoy it. Sit and flavor and enjoy the flavor, mm-hmm. you know? Enjoy the taste. That one ice cream will not harm you. Yes, your blood sugar might go up a little bit, but if you are maintaining your blood sugar all the time, that little spike is not enough. I always tell people, your blood sugar goes up and down like this. It's a sinusoidal rhythm. Nothing is a straight line. 
But if you're taking medication, guess what medication is? A straight line. How is that controlling anything? When you're going up and down, I said, there's a line going through, right? So now to get that sinusoidal rhythm, your body has to be sinusoidal too. So your days have to match. That's why lifestyle is a big thing, right? Lifestyle changes is the method of management. And in sports medicine, we have seen that you can actually send your diabetes into remission by changing your lifestyle. I will, I will give a small number and it's only because I'm being generous. The chance of doing that with medication is 0.01%. So one in 100 million people, or one, one million people will get uh, going to remission using medication. And one of my colleagues went as far as she, and she said it, went, and I'm quoting her, one of my other sports medicine doctors in the, in, the, in the UK, she says, I'm actually being generous with that number. It's actually more like zero, <laughs> right? So lifestyle can actually send you into remission. It can decrease your medication. You can get a better way of life and take control. And one of the things I tell my, 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 my uh, students is that you reach a point where you stop worrying about checking your blood sugar because you know it's normal because mm -hmm. you're eating correctly, right? And when you get into the habit of it, you stop thinking about it. So here's the thing. When you brush your teeth in the morning, it's a good habit, right? Does it, do you ever remember brushing your teeth unless you missed brushing it? <laughs> right, we do it on autopilot. Yeah, when you drive to work, do you remember getting to work or the route you took? No, because there's a habits that have been there forever. When you eat unhealthy, those are habits that are there that you don't know you do, right? Mm -hmm. And you have these habits built in. So you got to break those habits. And I call it breaking, breaking the loop, right? Perfect. Breaking and, the loop. Yes. Yes. And that's what, that's what I do. But I don't do that in the first week of my program. You get that in like the fifth week. Then we talk about breaking the loop. Why? Because you've already broken the loop. I know I showed you, I show you, you've broken the loop. So we talk about, we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about hydration and uh, yeah, so that's, that there it is, healthy eating. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. And really, it comes down to some very basic principles. And so you mentioned the, the dietary aspect, food, nutrition. I think that even the word diet has become loaded, but it means simply a system of eating. So we're not saying you have to feel like you're on a diet for the rest of your life. You're just building new, healthier habits of eating. And yes. so movement is also an aspect. And then we're going to make time and come back to sleep and stress because obviously I'm a fan of getting into stress, but let's explore how exercise and moving our bodies. And maybe for people who this is some new territory, not all of us are okay. very active people. <laughs> so as I started early off by saying I'm an exercise specialist, right? So I'm exercise medicine. So movement is my thing, right? But movement is also very easy. Right, Nanette Martin, Dame Nanette Martin from Scotland, she says the best way to get into activity is to walk. She says, just walk, just get up and walk. You're moving, that's all you're doing, walking. Walk faster, increase your heart rates. She's like, there's nothing more special about it. There's nothing, no secret. There's no secret sauce that you have to throw in it to make it work. So I say to people, here's an easy way to get moving. Pick two days in your week. Now you have seven days. Seven days. Can you find two days, two days to just start moving? And here's, an, here's, here's something else you can do. 
Pick an exercise you like to do. Don't pick something you hate. You're not going to do it. So if you like to run, run. If you like to walk, walk. If you like to ride, ride. If you like to pole dance, pole dance. It is perfectly okay. It is movement. One person says to get healthy, they started doing one push-up every day. It started with one. And what I would say is start with 30 minutes a day of exercise. That's recommended. 30 minutes a day every day. But here's how you start with that. And here's a secret that I want to share with you. You don't have to do 30 minutes all, all at once. You can break it up 10 minutes, three times a day, is still 30 minutes. If you're not good at math, 10 minutes by three is 30, right? <laughs> Five minutes, six times a day, 30 minutes. Three minutes, 10 times a day, 30 minutes. One minute, 30 times a day, still 30 minutes. All of it is still exercise. And here's the only thing you need to do. Increase your heart rate. And you don't have to increase it. Like you have to go red in the face to increase it. No, you don't have to be sweating bullets to say that you've increased your heart rate. No. Increasing your heart rate means just walking a little faster. You'll feel it race up. You'll start to feel it pounding a little faster, right? That is increasing your heart rate. That's it. There's no secret to exercise. Exercise is as simple as that. So 30 minutes a day, two days a week, start with two. The next week, do three. The next week, do four. But rest in between. Always rest. But now when I say rest, I don't mean lie down on the couch and veg out. I mean active rest. Lie down on the ground. Open up a YouTube video of yoga or some calisthenic stretch or something. Tai Chi and stretch. Let your body just open up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you're moving. You're feeling more flexible. And here's the thing. When you start to move, your body wants to move more. When you start to eat healthier, your body wants to eat healthier. Suddenly, going into a place with fried foods becomes unenticing. You don't enjoy it. You smell it and you go, oh, I don't like that. Right? You taste food with too much sugar in it and you go, wow, this is super sweet. I can't eat that. Right? All of a sudden, your body is telling you, you don't want that. Why? Those are the natural protections your body already possesses but you have been suppressing them for so long that they no longer work for you. So you, by eating healthier, exercising, you re reactivate them by drinking more water. And I never say just drink water. I say drink liquids. So tea is a liquid. Coffee is a liquid. Milk is a liquid. Now, if you're lactose intolerant, don't go drinking milk, please. <laughs> Coconut water, water, soda water, Right, Aer aerated waters, They're flavored waters. You could take a banana peel and drop it in your water and get a flavored water. It's so simple. Instead of going buying those expensive ones, take a berry and just drop it in. Leave it in there for a, a half an hour and you have a berry flavored water. Those are all hydrating liquids and you just need three to five liters a day of it. The more, the hotter it is, the more. And it's simple to do. This bottle is 500 mLs of water, five, half a liter of water. I walk around with this all day and refill it. Guess how much water I've drank today? I'm already at three liters. I have a cup of coffee, right? 50 milliliters of, of, of coffee, 550 milliliters I just drank. 
as easy as that while on this call, right? Did I get up and go use the bathroom? No. Why? Because my body has used it all up. You don't urinate more because you're drinking more. You urinate because you try to take this entire factor and down it. But if you're drinking consistently all day, you don't move urinate more, no more than you usually do. All right? So there's three aspects you know. Three things I've just given you. Hydrates, nutrition, carbohydrates, and exercise. The simple, simple, simple. And simple is doable. It takes a yes. little bit of effort. I love the term activation energy. When you're starting to change things, it takes a little more remembering, you know, set reminders for yourself, give yourself some motivation, keep yourself on track. And it becomes easy so quickly. So it isn't for long that you have to feel like you're committing to this new habit. Things become habit very, very quickly, so, especially when it's things that our body naturally craves. So I know you're excited to talk about stress. Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about stress. It really does impact so many different aspects of our body function and it impacts sleep. So if you want, we can take a quick detour down the sleep lane or we can come back to that. But yeah, I, I really think it's important for people to recognize that we can change the way we handle stress. It isn't kind of by design or genetic or the way we're wired is the way it is. Like we have some options and how we let stress show up. Agreed, agreed. And, um, and I think stress and sleep go hand in hand. Mm. If you're stressed, you're not sleeping. If you're not sleeping, you're stressed. True, true. Right? So insomniacs are very stressed out, right? But people who have big businesses are not sleep and, and are stressed out of work are probably not sleeping. Right, so they must go together, and that's why I put stress and sleep together. Now they're two separate things, but if you're managing one, usually it becomes easier to manage the other, right? And this is just my my opinion, and I've seen this happen, where people start managing their stress, and all of a sudden they're getting a night's sleep. And here's the thing: if you start exercising, you start eating healthier, you start putting in those brain foods, you start hydrating, you realize you start sleeping better, right? All of a sudden your sleep start patterns start to improve. So talking about stress. Stress, as, as Susie rightfully said, it affects every part of your body. Now, everybody, I think one of the things about mainstream medicine is that we've gotten a little too focused on the pathology, the, the individual aspects. And then we have these super specialties. And I, don't get me wrong, they're amazing. They're amazing people who are in there. You have the cardiologist who specifically looks at your heart rhythm, right? You have the neurologist who actually focuses on one part of your brain. You have the orthopedic surgeon who only works on your hand. And I, I recently found out there's an orthopedic surgeon who only works on your thumb. That's his whole specialty, your thumb, right? But guess what? The thumb is connected to here. It's connected to the wrist. It's connected to the elbow. It's connected to the shoulder. As a sports docs, whenever you go into our offices and you say, hey, doc, my knee is hurting, you will notice we'll go and check your ankle. We'll go and check your hip. We'll go and check your back and you'll look at us and you go, doc, what are you doing? And we tell you to take off your clothes. And you go, but why is my knee? And you go, and we go, don't worry, we'll get there. I have a friend who's been complaining of knee problems for years, right? And I, we did an MRI. He wanted the MRI. So he went to the MRI and I kept telling him nothing is wrong with your knee. Something else is happening. He had a slip disc and it was affecting his knee. The symptoms he was getting is his knee. 
So we as sports doc, we link everything together. Your brain is connected to your body. Your stress that you're happening is affecting all of you. So you may be having neck pain. You may be having back pain. You may be having nosebleeds or you may be getting a ringing in your ears and they're all stress related and you remove the stress and they go away. So when you're stressed, it's not just you're thinking, oh, I'm just getting a headache or something like that, or you're feeling overwhelmed or you feel too tired at the end of the day. So managing your stress becomes a very important part of your health. And if you're not doing it, as we said earlier, you're gonna give yourself a heart attack. So how do we manage stress? I start off with one thing again, just one thing, breathe. Mm -hmm. Just breathe. Now here's the technique. Do you have eight seconds in your day? Could you possibly find eight seconds in your day? I'm sure it's somewhere. You just wasted eight seconds. Right? <laughs> Thinking you couldn't possibly find eight seconds. Yeah, you just did. Just think about it. You just wasted eight seconds. For eight seconds, and that's the length of a deep breath. Right? A normal breath is five seconds. Three seconds out, no, two, three seconds out, two seconds in. A normal breath. Now, how do we know this? Because we've studied it so long. People have sat with timers with hundreds of people and timed their breaths. So we know the length of a breath, right? Now, why I use five seconds? It's actually, it varies from person to person, but we use a standard five seconds, right? Everything in medicine has a range, right? Whenever you get, go to a doctor, they say you're between here and here, okay? So eight seconds in a day, take one breath, but don't, just pick one breath, but don't just take a breath. Concentrate on the temperature of that breath, just the temperature and do it. Just try it, try it now for eight seconds. While I listen to this, take one deep breath and concentrate on only the temperature and feel how your body and your mind feels. I did this today with one of my patients and I asked her, how do you feel afterwards? She's like, my shoulders relaxed. Eight seconds and her shoulders relaxed. And she was tense in her shoulders. She didn't know she was tense in the shoulders until they relaxed. Now you can repeat that as often as you want. Your boss annoys you. Your dog is bothering you. Your child is talking too much. You just want a second apiece. Eight seconds. A problem is bothering you. Take a, take a deep breath and suddenly your mind relaxes and you see a solution. That's it. You just learn how to manage stress, right? You just did mindfulness just there. That is a meditation technique. You just meditated. Does meditation sound different? Yes. Does it sound <laughs> difficult? All of, all of a sudden you're thinking, hold on. Uh, did he just mention meditation? But that's really hard. But he just told me I just meditated. Wow. And if that, then what could be possible? And I love yeah. that you're illustrating that we tend to overcomplicate things, that exercise is moving, starts with walking, is however you want to divvy up 30 minutes across the total of your day as you work up to it, that mindfulness is tuning into your breath and start with one breath. 
And I love the invitation to see what that can grow into, because I know that these things are habit forming, that as we do them, just like drinking water and eating food that's healthier for us, the more we do it, the more our body craves it. Yes. That's like one of my, um, one of my other students, he came into my course first four weeks in and he goes, uh, I know you're telling me that, you know, stick with you and do the things I'm showing you how to do it and don't go too far ahead, but can I start moving more? Is it okay for me to do extras? He says, because I was sitting in front of TV and I felt like doing push-ups, right? And I was like, yeah, because that's what your body does. It tells you move more, right? Now, one exactly. of the things I tell people also is buy a fitness tracker. This year, a, a research paper came out at the beginning of the year that finally confirmed what we already knew, that wearing a fitness tracker increases your likelihood to be fit, to walk more. It motivates you to do more because you keep looking at the watch and you see 2,000 steps and you go, I could do better than that. And then you see 3,000 steps, you go, I could do better than that. And then one day you make 8,000 steps and you go, whoa, I can do 8,000 steps. And then suddenly you want to do 8,000 steps every day because you just did it. And you go, how did I do that? And that, and people, we like to check ourselves. We do it all the time. We're on our phones. You can't see that kind of get Facebook or Instagram to see if anybody responded to your post. So having a tracker does the same thing. And it's already wired into our brains to do it because we've been doing it for so long. So why not take advantage of what we've already learned and do something positive with it? So true. And I find mine, and I just started wearing one regularly a few months ago. I love what it does to improve my sleep. Because now that I see, you know, I have a, a garment and it tells me the deep sleep versus light versus REM sleep. Like, oh, what is, what is affecting this? Can I track back through the day? Was it the extra movement or the lack of movement? You know, what had me up a couple of times through the night? And I've heard people say, well, maybe fitness trackers build anxiety, right? Get us a little too dialed into the ins and the outs. And like you say, we are cyclical beings. Everything has a rhythm and a flow. We're not always going to be when it says we're low stress. In fact, that heart rate variability is really important and a sign of health to put ourselves into stress and come back into rest. And so I thank you for pointing that out. I think that fitness trackers are easy to get a hold of and very beneficial because they increase our curiosity and help us recognize what serves us and what does not. Yeah, and they're, they're so, and, and used to be that fitness trackers were uh, unattainable and often very expensive. Nowadays, they're so cheap. I mean, they all connect to your phone, right? With free apps. It's not like you have to pay for the app anymore. And as you said, it does, and it that leads into sleep. How does a fitness tracker help you sleep? And you're noticing something about your sleep. Now, when, you, when we talk about sleep, sleep hygiene is a very important part of our lives. And sleep is probably your best healer. And people don't seem to take advantage of it, right? Some people take a lot of advantage of it and some people take very little. Now, everybody has different sleep rhythms. Some people sleep four hours and they're good. Some people need eight hours. Some people need 12. Some people sleep like cats. They need to sleep 16 hours in a day in order to keep, to be, keep themselves going. Everybody's different. But what stays the same is the hygiene. When, and one of the things we mean by hygiene, you brush your teeth because it's teeth hygiene. You floss because of hygiene, right? Hygiene is not about staying clean. It's about those habits to lead to healthier gums, healthier teeth. Same thing with sleep. You need healthier sleep. 
And simple things to do to get healthier sleep is things like turn off the, the device. Half an hour before you go to bed, take off the phone. Turn off the, the, the computer, take off the TV. Don't binge watch Netflix, right? Yes, it's available. We're home all the time. It's COVID season. You have nowhere to go. In some places like in Trinidad, we can't, nothing is open, right? We're still closed. We still have a curfew at 9 p.m. So at 9 p.m. you're home. So guess what we're doing? Binge watching Netflix. Turn off the TV. Take the TV out of your bedroom. So here's the thing. We created an amazing uh, energy source and lighting source called LED lights. They save energy. Use the, the amount of, of, of energy an LED light uses is I think a, a thousand times less than a standard fluorescent bulb. I'm not, you can't quote me on that. I'm not an engineer, sorry, not my thing. <laughs> but I've been told it's very energy efficient. Now there's a physics term that says energy has to go somewhere. Energy is never lost, it's change. It changes from one form to the next. Where's that LED light putting that extra energy? Where's it going? Guess where? Into you. It's going into your eyes and it's keeping your brain up. It's transferring that wonderful energy savings and giving it back to you because it goes nowhere else. It has to go somewhere and it's going into you. So LED lights, although they're wonderful and they provide so much, they produce a lot of blue light. And blue light, we know, is the cause of why people stay awake longer at night. So turn off the device, switch off the LED light and put on a little um, yellow light, not a fluorescent yellow light, and one of those, even a fluorescent yellow light, one of those dim lights, a dim light, like a night light or something. You use it for your kids, why not use it for yourself, right? If you're like me, I like to read my kid a little bit before I fall asleep. And I showed one of my, one of my uh, uh, students say what my Kindle looks like at night. And during the day, you can't see it. It is in dark mode and it, it, it's dimmed all the way down. But during the day, honestly, I wake up in the morning and I have to look and see if my phone is on because the Kindle is still on and it's so dark, I can't see it in daylight. But at night, it's, um, it's actually quite bright, right? I fall asleep in five to 10 seconds. I've been reading the same page in my Kindle for the last four weeks. And it's not on this, the, the tiniest lettering. I'm talking about 10 lines and I can't get through 10 lines because I keep falling asleep. Lower it, dim it all the way down. If you can't use a book, read a book, right? So turn off half an hour before, just turn off the lights. A little bit of sleep hygiene, half an hour before, right? Have a conversation with your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kid, your dog, your cat. You know, if you have mice, I have do turtles. Some have a con <laughs> yeah, do some stretching. Ex excellent point, Susie. Exercise makes you sleep better. Everybody it thinks it's the other way. Yeah, everybody thinks it's the other way. That if you exercise, you get hyperactive and I'm going to be up later. No. minute you finish exercise, you go take that warm shower, you lie down in bed and come out. Because your body wants to rest. It's telling you again. Your body tells you it has all these beautiful signals. It does. I need to see. 
And when we tune into it, then we can start to hear them. We have so much other input coming in on all channels that it's easy to miss those messages. And the more things we do to serve our bodies, the more it speaks to us and the more audible that those messages are. Yes. Beautiful. We could obviously go on all day. You and I could, could, could just go volumes together. Um, tell people how they can work with you. I'm excited about the program that you're sharing. And even though you're out on this beautiful island, you can work with people just about anywhere these days. Yes. So when I started my program, I was trying to do it for my local people to, because Trinidad has a 14% diabetes rate. And we have a 56% overweight and obese population. In fact, more of the population is overweight and obese than normal. And consider the 30% are children, right? And the adult population is 56% overweight. So I saw, I saw a problem. I have, I have a solution. I created a solution. I wanted to give it out. But then I discovered in order to reach more people, I can't just stay within Trinidad. So I created an online course. I went to learn how to do it. Now, as a doctor, we don't know any, any of this. So it was a massive learning curve for me over the last year. And my course is now fully online. It's called Defeat Diabetes. I have two courses, Defeat Diabetes and Healthy Weight um, Recipe. They're both, they target, of course, diabetics on one side and people who are overweight or obese, right? And I have them online. I will share um, as they're all now starting to grow and starting to build and now starting to build the websites and all that stuff. It's all in production. I'm sharing my free ebook um, with, with, I'll share it with Susie that she can say, say share it to the community. Um, and through that ebook, you will, you'll be, you'll join my email list and you'll learn about my course and when it's going to be launched and so on. But the email list is not just to tell you about the course, it's to give you quality information that you can apply every day i'm all about giving right i'm all about giving value every single time i speak to people i'm all about sharing my knowledge and sharing it in a way that you understand not the doctor jargon right and you know you absorb it as much as you want it's there for you if you don't get it today maybe you'll get it tomorrow something doesn't resonate with you every day i started learning how to do an online course and it took me six months to realize what teacher was teaching me right? What he was saying and what he was talking about. Six months later, I'm doing the same, the same session with him again. And for the first time, it made sense. Six months later. <laughs> so the same thing with diet, nutrition. And I, I don't like the word anti-dieting. I know it's a no uh, bad term. I've heard it a few times that people say, I do anti-dieting. And I had to go, I had to go, I didn't even know it was a term. I had to go look it up. And I don't like it, right? Because it's sharing the wrong message. Dieting is not bad. It's not a bad four-letter word. It's not the F word or the F bomb or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it is not a bad word. What we're doing is vilifying it. And we need to stop that. Eating healthy is a better word. It's a better term. Eating healthy and having healthy habits are better. But dieting is not bad. There's no anti-dieting shares the wrong message of saying, no, dieting is bad for you. Right? Anti-diabetic is a good term. <laughs> that we can get right? behind. <laughs> yeah. Anti-obesity is a good term because obesity has so many problems, not only on, your, on just your, your diabetes or hypertension or heart disease, but your joints, mm-hmm. right? Your, your joints can't take that much weight, right? You can't walk, you can't move right? Your, your organs are surrounded by this horrible fat, right? Your brain is slower 
because it's not getting the right thing, right? I know you're suffering from all these other diseases that you didn't have before. You're, you're, if you're female, your periods are off, right? You're, you're male, you notice your, your libido is gone. Why is that, right? It's all linked, it's all together. So obesity doesn't just affect, much like stress affects so many things, obesity is a form of stress, right? It's creating stressors. Mm -hmm. right? And psychological stress, because every time you look in the mirror, what's what you're thinking? I hate myself. You're trying to convince yourself you love yourself. You're looking at it subconsciously, you're going, I hate myself. And that's creating stress. And that's creating a negative, which leads to more negative and more negative. And we are our worst enemies. So I'm going to share my free book for your community. Beautiful. Right? And, and then they can link. And of course, I will post, I will send you a link, uh, like I'm on LinkedIn and everything. So I'll send you my LinkedIn link. Um, and as I grow and as I get the website and everything going. Oh, and fascinating news. I'm building an app. Oh, this right? is so exciting. So, yes. So yes, we can get app. reminders and yeah, to your um, tips wherever we so, are. Beautiful. Yeah, I then, love technology. So I'll share the app and everything with you. As soon as it's built, I'll put it all up there. And even if it comes up a month later, I'll still share it with you. You can still share it with you. Absolutely. Our notes update. So whenever you've got new information, we'll make sure that's current in our show notes. So whenever people pick up this episode, they'll be able to connect with you and find out what is available, what's coming down the line, because I know you're a force of energy and momentum and these creative juices are flowing. So I'm excited to see what is available now, but also what's coming together in the year ahead. So Ooh. I'm so grateful for your time, Dr. Z. Thank you for joining me today. It's awesome being here, Susie. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to share my message, to share, to tell people there is help um, and there, there are solutions uh, that you don't have to be alone. Right, exactly. There are solutions. Don't let it be overwhelming. Just choose one thing, one thing to get started on and start turning that tide. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for your words and inspiration. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day and take good care of yourself. You too. And lovely being here, Susie. It was fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.